Good evening. Well, it's good to be back. I've, I've been out for a couple of weeks. And um, I did catch up online, though. I listened to the teachings. And so um, we listened right along with you guys. I did hear uh, from Pastor Victor, I'm allowed to ask questions. I think I, I, think I got that last week. So that I might throw a couple of questions out there. And um, I, I tell you what, Pastor Victor, two weeks ago, that question was, was tough. That was hard. It stumped me a little bit. Um, but last week was a little, little easier. I think last week the answer was Boaz, right, and Ruth. Two weeks ago uh, was where someone was from, and I think it was Samson you were talking about, but uh, yeah, all right. But anyways, I had to look it up, so I admit to that. I went to, been, I went to got it on the spot. Um, but anyways, it's, it's good to be back. We moved... We moved Hannah and Josiah, and they're off to college now, and two weeks in a row. So um, we're going to be back in the book of Nehemiah tonight. And I actually, if you can turn to Nehemiah with me, I want to point out a couple of things in verses, or chapters one and two, and then we're going to go over to chapter six, where we're going we're gonna to be going through chapter six tonight. But if you start at chapter one in your Bibles... I want to point out something here that I think it'll, it's important to the chapter we're going through tonight. So look in verse 1 here where it says, It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the twelfth year, and that's the twelfth year, of course, of King Artaxerxes' reign. And so chapter 1 starts, it gives us a definite month of where this took place. And then look forward to chapter 2. And it came to pass, right here at the beginning, it came to pass in the month of Nisan. And Michael, that's not Nisan there. That's a little different. But <laughs> um, in, the, in the 12th year of King Artaxerxes, and um, we, so we, we get some two time markers here. And this is not going to be my question, but uh, the number of months that passes here, if you're, if you're a Hebrew calendar scholar, is four months. Okay, so between chapters one and chapter two, that's a four-month span. And if you remember, and you can kind of breeze through chapter one, what happened in chapter one? What was Nehemiah doing for four months? He was, he was seeking the Lord. He was praying. He was fasting. He was repenting of his sins. He was repenting for the nation. Uh, four months of prayer. And... Um, I think, you know, I'll kind of come back to that, but I think it's important as we go to chapter 6, so you can go ahead here to chapter 6, and if I had to put one word on tonight's message, it would be wisdom, and I see, I think we see that in the life of uh, Nehemiah, especially here in chapter 6, and um, I'll tell you a story, and you may have heard this story before, so I apologize if you have. This sounds like something um, Larry may, may have heard before, but uh, um, there's a story I heard about this middle school where these, these girls at the middle school were, um, in the morning, it kind of started this little trend where they would, they would do their makeup, put some lipstick on, a couple of them started kissing the mirror and leaving their lip marks on the mirror. Well, this became a problem, so more girls started to do it. And the, the custodian, Mr. Thompson, he was, he was quite upset, complained to the principal, and the principal sent out a letter and said, don't, don't do that. Don't kiss the mirror. Well, apparently the letter didn't work. They kept doing it. And so Mr. Thompson um, asked the principal if the girls could come in to the bathroom, and maybe if they see how, hard, how difficult it is for him to clean the, 
the uh, mirror that, um, that they'll stop doing it. So the principal calls the girls in, and uh, Mr. Thompson takes his squeegee, dips it in the toilet, starts scrubbing that mirror. <laughs> this is how I clean the mirror, you know? And so needless to say, they never kiss that mirror again. Uh, <laughs> so that, of course, not necessarily godly wisdom, what we see from Nehemiah, but definitely wisdom from the uh, custodian there. So um, before we get into Nehemiah, I just, I'm going to read through a few verses on wisdom. And um, I'm going to look first at, well, let me say this. I was looking through a whole bunch of definitions for wisdom, and they were very long and drawn out and very good. But I, I found a really short definition, which, which I really like. It is doing the right thing at the right time. And I love, I underlined in my notes, the doing part. You know, it's not knowing what to do or understanding what's going on, but doing the right thing at the right time. And of course, the right thing in this context is what God wants us to do, right? Doing the right thing at the right, right time is wisdom. Um, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. A couple more for you. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. And that especially fits tonight's verses, those twisted words. And 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, and this is an important thing to know. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And, um, you know, if Nehemiah hadn't spent so much time in prayer and in the word, I don't know if he would have been hearing from the Lord. And we'll see here in chapter 6 these constant insights he, Nehemiah has into what they are thinking and these things that only could have come from the Lord and from his relationship he had with God. And so, um, Nehemiah chapter 6, and the way we're going to go through this is I've counted four attacks on Nehemiah that are identified in chapter 6. So, we're going to read through each one, and then we'll kind of backtrack and uh, look how Nehemiah kind of handled it and the, the situation. So, the first one is chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? 
But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Here we have Nehemiah, and this, um, some commentators say the, the plains of Ono would have been a place of potential relaxation because he was hard at work. They would call him out there to negotiate with him. It was kind of to entice him out there. Let's negotiate. Let's come to an agreement together. Obviously, Nehemiah knows what's going on, that he's going to be called to compromise, right? But, it, but it's looked at as, as a temptation from Nehemiah. Now, we're gonna, we, we saw here in these first four voice verses how Nehemiah responded. And I was trying to think of uh, um, someone else in the scriptures that, that did not do so well as, as far as being tempted. And um, the, the person I was thinking of was Samson. Uh, mainly because of that question a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that got me. But uh, so Samson, if we remember the life of Samson in the book of Judges, he is, you know, his, his mom and dad, um, they're given uh, uh, a prophecy about Samson's life, how he's going to be used by the Lord. He's going to be set aside, obviously a, a judge of Israel. Um, they are told that he will take the, a, a Nazarite valve and he will not eat of the fruit of the vine or drink of, of the fruit of the vine and he will not cut his hair, right? So we know the story of Samson. But the first instance we see of actual Samson's life, what is he doing? He's hanging out with the Philistines in a, it says the vineyards of Timnah. So why is Samson in the vineyards, you know? And it makes you think, what is he doing there, you know? And of course, Samson probably thinks, well, you know, I'm not legalistic. I got freedom to be out here and do what I want, right? And, um, and then we see, of course, Samson with the harlots in Gaza. And we see him, of course, the famous story with Delilah. But it's just compromise after compromise. And one of the things that kind of blows me away is just how God deals with different people. And how it took so long for Samson to lose his strength. But God was just long-suffering with Samson. He was very patient with Samson. And um, I think, you know, <laughs> I think it's funny, Delilah, after Samson lies to her three times, right, it says that she was pestering him daily. And finally, Samson was vexed to death. Like, <laughs> the, the, the haggling had to stop, you know. The, ha the uh, nagging from Delilah had to stop. And he finally told her, and we know the rest of the story and the great fall of Samson that took place after that. Um, we, you know, Pastor Victor has mentioned this several times as we're going through the book of Nehemiah. Now, we're talking about building walls, of course, here in Nehemiah. How many are building walls besides Rick? Anybody building walls? You're building a wall? <laughs> okay, you've built walls before? <laughs> Most of us aren't building physical walls. Rick's building uh, uh, walls, I guess, probably in construction. But uh, we're not building physical walls like Nehemiah, but there's a spiritual application, right? And um, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19, reread, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and, who, and you are not your own? So just like Nehemiah, he remembers the, the temple there. It was built, it was reconstructed by Ezra and the group that went previously, but the walls remained in rubble, right? They were, they were a wreck. And we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, just like that, you know, picture we get in Nehemiah. 
we too should have spiritual walls surrounding this temple. And they're not physical walls that we, we are to build, but of course they're spiritual in a sense that we need to rely on the Lord to understand where our boundaries are, where we are to go or not to go. Samson didn't understand that. He was always toying with sin, right? He was always falling into sin because he was toying with sin. And, um, and we see the opposite from Nehemiah, right? Obviously, we're talking about the physical walls, but we see the spiritual walls he established here too. He's about the Lord's business, and he's not going to cease doing it, you know, which is incredible. A um, couple of things I want to point out in these verses here from Nehemiah. So how many times, here's your first question, how many times did Nehemiah get this message? That's well, kind of a trick question, actually, because if you read ahead, yeah, thanks, Larry got me on that one, because I was thinking four, but I hadn't read ahead yet, Larry, but you did. Good job. <laughs> four or five, I'll take that. Um, but it's a good reminder that these temptations, when we have victory over temptation, let's say, um, you know, we're, we're setting a boundary where I'm not going to go see rated R movies because it, because it bothers my spirit, because it causes me to sin, right? And maybe I set that boundary for me. I'm not going to put that burden on anyone else, but the Lord has put that on me, right? So I'm not going to go see a rated R movie. And the first time that movie comes out that I don't, you know, not allowed to see, and I get through that, you know, ah, yeah, you know, fist pump in the air, right? But that's not the end of it. Satan's not done with you yet. Those temptations are going to still come, right? When your buddy calls you and says, hey, did you hear about, the, you know, this movie or whatever, right? And here we see Nehemiah four times, right? And a fifth, Larry, if we're going to get to the fifth. But, <laughs> but it just keeps coming. And the other interesting thing I see here, because if it were me, if, you know, I, I was kind of contemplating this in verse three, he says, he responds to each message. Each time he sends a response. And I think about that with, you know, when we overcome a temptation, should we be responding, at least in our hearts, to say, no, I am about the Lord's business, and this is going to take me away from my spiritual walk, right? Should we be having that conversation? <laughs> you know, Nehemiah is doing it with, uh, you know, probably in letter, I'm guessing, to Sanballat and Tobiah. But, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, when those temptations come and we have victory, do we say, are we responding and say, no, I don't want to um, mess up my fellowship with the Lord or cease doing the Lord's work, right? And are we having that response like Nehemiah was having here? And I think that's a really good example. And I, I like the, you know, the plains of Ono because it's easy to remember, Right. Uh, you know, should I go to the plains of Ono? Oh, no. <laughs> there you go. Okay, sorry about that one. All right. So the first one is, uh, first attack is a temptation to go to the plains of Ono, and we see Nehemiah pass the test and use wisdom, and he even knew that they meant him harm, and you see that at the end of the verse two, but they thought to do me harm, and he knew that, and that was wisdom from the Lord right there. Uh, verse 5, we're going to do verses 5 through 9, and we're going to see this second attack on Nehemiah here. Then Sanballat 
sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come therefore and let us consult together. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. And so the second attack here is slightly different than the first. And you pick it up in verse five, where we get a little information on this fifth time, this fifth letter, where it says an open letter. That to me, it implies that the previous four were, you know, the, you know, Sealed, right? They were sealed up. They were meant for the eyes of Nehemiah. The fifth letter was not meant for the eyes of Nehemiah. <laughs> well, maybe it would get there eventually, but along the way, we wanted to make sure other people read it as well, right? So this is the difference between sending someone a text and just posting it on Facebook, right? The number five here. And um, it's obviously a form of gossip, a form of slander. The things that were said about Nehemiah were extremely dangerous. Um, you guys remember Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He was in Jerusalem with permission from the king. He was given resources by the king to do this work. And he was trusted by the king, obviously being his cupbearer. And so the, the, the rumor that they're starting and the gossip that they're spreading is basically putting Nehemiah's life at serious risk, <laughs> right? And, um, and Nehemiah... Um, to establish himself as king, obviously, would be a full rebellion. And, you know, he, he says it here. They were trying to make them afraid. They were trying to convince him to go out and negotiate with them. And we look at kind of attack number two as gossip. And it, it's a little different approach. Usually, we're, we're going through the Bible and we're talking about gossip. We're talking about, you know, that we shouldn't be engaged in gossip, right? But this is different because now we're looking at the life of Nehemiah and the gossip's about him, right? So when the gossip's about me, when the gossip's about you, what are we to do about it, right? And that's, you know, what we're going to learn from Nehemiah's example here. Um, here so here's a question. <laughs> Any time in your life has the gossip been about you? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah, look around. Pretty much everyone rose their hand or nodded their head. Yep. <laughs> I mean, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and, um, and it happens, just like it happened to Nehemiah. And it probably, I would say it definitely happens to prominent people in leadership positions like Nehemiah, um, more so than anybody, right? Um, you guys probably see, you know, Facebook posts and stuff about prominent Christian leaders, and you're like, really? That happened? That person? Right? And we don't even know the situation, but it's easy to get caught up in those kinds of things. Um, but we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be, be caught up in those kinds of things. But Nehemiah, his response here was really incredible because the natural temptation of a man would be to fix the situation, <laughs> at least for me, right? I'm going to go straighten out the record. 
I'm going to clear my name. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to everyone that saw the letter, <laughs> right? And this would be um, the way we would naturally respond without godly wisdom. But three things I see from Nehemiah that he did here. You know, and I didn't read the end of chapter, or verse 9, did I? It's the, probably the most important part right here. <laughs> the end of verse 9 says, Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. So let's not forget that. But three things that Nehemiah does here. The first thing is, he doesn't make any hasty decisions in light of the gossip. Um, verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. And Nehemiah stays the course. He doesn't do anything rash or crazy in this situation, which could be a pretty stressful situation. Um, the second thing I see from Nehemiah is that he responds. He actually responds. You know, like it's, sometimes we think, well, we should just let it be, let it go. But he does respond, which is pretty uh, incredible here. He says in verse 8, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. And he's responding to the people that sent the letter. He didn't waste a lot of time in his response. He didn't go through an elaborate um, uh, defense of his character or anything like that. He calmly and straightforward tells Sanballat that he was a liar, right? That he's a liar and he's going to carry on the work. And that was it. And uh, number three I see, and that was the part I didn't read at the end of verse 9, was he turns to God uh, to strengthen him and to continue to serve him in the storm. And um, I just love that about Nehemiah, that he just continues forward um, through this process of building the walls. All right, so attack number three. We're going to do verses 10 through 13. Afterward, I came to the house of Shammai, the son of Delaiah, Delai, the son of Metebal, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason, he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. So attack number three is from a false prophet who came, you know, came in sheep's clothing, clothing you would say. He came as someone, you know, pretending to represent God, acting like he was out for Nehemiah's best interest, that he's going to help protect them by Nehemiah going into the temple and locking the doors. And uh, that's how he presented himself to Nehemiah. Now, where, where was the sin in doing this? if Nehemiah went into the temple and locked the doors. Because <laughs> he says that uh, he was tempted to sin. 
So in, um, oops, sorry about that. Second Chronicles chapter 23, verse 6, let no one enter the house of the Lord except the priests and the ministering Levites. They may enter, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the charge of the Lord. And not long after there in Second Chronicles, we see um, King Uzziah, right? He's the one that's struck with leprosy. He goes into the temple, and the priests were rebuking him. And uh, he was, I don't know, I, he got verbal with them. I forget the whole account, but, <laughs> but he, didn't, he didn't like the priests rebuking him, and the Lord struck him with leprosy. Um, so Nehemiah here was tempted to sin by locking himself in the house of the Lord. And um, I, I, I think you see two things here. One, of course, the wisdom of Nehemiah to know the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet. And um, it's important to know in our lives. I went to, um, or I should say, you, you probably had people prophesy over you or tell you something about your life or what you're going to do. And, and I you know, especially if it's from the Lord, they're given a verse. I think anything like that we should take in and we should pray about and consider. Um, but we should also be cautious too, like Nehemiah was here. I'm sure he took and considered what he said, especially because the last rumor that was out, right? <laughs> it's probably no surprise that someone was after him to kill him. Um, but we should also be careful, right? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says, beware of false prophets who come in, come to you, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And I, I really like this one in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And um, I, I like the test part, because I think that's a good thing to do, right? If someone tells you something, especially that's going to happen in your future or something you're going to go do, then you say, okay, you know, if it's from the Lord, then it'll come to pass. And if not, then it won't. And we'll put it to the test, right? I mean, that's what the scripture says. And, um, and we also need, just like Nehemiah, to rely on the spirit, rely on the Lord to tell you if these things are so or not. Um, all right, back to uh, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 14. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat according to these, their works. And the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. And just like God was able to take care of Nehemiah, he's also able to take care of uh, these people, right? <laughs> Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so he just gives it over to the Lord. So I love that right there. Verse 15 through 16 so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. Isn't that incredible? They finished it in 52 days. Verse 16, and it happened when all the enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. So how many days did he... Uh, did he pray for about 100 and 120, let's say four months. And in 52 days, the work was done, which to me sounds supernatural. I mean, the walls of Jer around Jerusalem, 52 days, they were rebuilt. Um, I said there was four attacks. And so we get to, we get to finish off with the fourth attack. Verse 17 through 19. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah 
sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many of Judah were pledged to him because he was the son-in-law to Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and the son of Jehoanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobias sent letters to frighten me. And so the final attack, unfortunately for Nehemiah's sake, came from within, came from the nobles of Judah who were conspiring and communicating with Tobiah. And um, this particular attack, we see Nehemiah, we don't see that he did anything with the nobles of Judah. He just let it go. He just relied on the Lord. Um, he, he knew what was going on. He knew that they were conspiring against him, and yet they did not, he did not do anything in this case. And uh, Psalms 55, verse 22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. And that's where we're going to finish tonight. Um, I love this chapter of Nehemiah because it's very practical on how to deal with, uh, deal with people, you know, deal with attacks on us. And I, you know, kind of like we started talking about with the, with the walls, when we build spiritual walls in our lives, it's, we're going to look different. You know, if we, if we look like the world, we probably don't have very many walls, right? We look like Samson's, right? Uh, without the strength, you know? Do you guys ever wonder what Samson looked like? I know he's strong, but we were, me and Laura were talking about Saved by the Bell. You know that guy, um, Screech, I think? Yeah, I think that's what he looked like. <laughs> Just more glory to the Lord, right? Um, but, you know, our lives, when we build walls in our lives, you know, I know... People could take that as like, oh, you're being legalistic. It's only legalism if you're pressing those things on others, right? Those convictions you get from the Lord. But we should all have convictions from the Lord on where our borders should be, right? In certain areas, when we fall into sin, we should be able to backtrack and say, where did this start? Like, what led me to this point? You know, where did the compromise start? Um, and that's, you know, a good, good starting point of where those walls need to be built. And um, I love that about Nehemiah because it's, it, you know, we see the physical nature of it. But what he's talking about, the temple, our, you know, us in the middle, the temple of the Holy Spirit and those walls surrounding us. And that we should have those walls. And when we do, we're going we're gonna to cause strife with the world, right? We're going to look different. And there's going to be these attacks, not only from without, but from within, and um, I think these, the wisdom we get here from Nehemiah, but ultimately from the Holy Spirit as we're walking, is important. And that's why I kind of wanted to start with chapter one there, where he just spends four months in prayer, you know, before he even does this work, which was only 52 days. You know, it's a two-to-one ratio, right, of, of work to prayer, or prayer to work, I should say. And um, so... Anyways, that's all I have for you tonight. So let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, uh, just lift up uh, your church to hear that, hear that it's gathered together here in person or online, Lord. I pray, pray for them that 
they would just be strong like, like Nehemiah was and, and understanding where those walls need to be built and um, having the courage to build them and the strength to uh, just repel the attacks of the enemy, Lord. Uh, just uh, please, please be with us, Lord, throughout the week. Please continue to strengthen us in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.